Hello, and welcome to the very first episode of This Just Is. My name is Ian Friedman, and I am a human, as are you. And what an amazing thing it is that we found each other. I'm a TV producer residing in Los Angeles, California, and that's about all you need to know on that front, because who cares, really? I'm a father to a daughter, a husband to a wife, and a friend to many, and honestly, that's the most important thing. I set out to create this podcast to show people who I am, to have people hear me, know me, and understand me. I want to give my guests this platform as well. This is a place for genuine connection and conversation. You'll hear all types of people from all walks of life covering a range of topics. But the overwhelming theme will always be about the human condition and, more importantly, honesty. What makes us, us? What do we perceive versus what's really there? How do we manage the chaos of everyday life and preserve a modicum of ourselves in the process? And how can we continue this practice, improve, enhance, and dare I say, perfect it? I want to encourage our listeners to do this in whatever constructive way that is. How can you help the world understand who you are? Not who you superficially believe yourself to be, but what the essence of your soul calls out to you as. Do you have the courage to lay it all out there on the line and be who you really are, under it all? Do you have what it takes? I'm trying my hardest to do this every day, and I invite you to join me in the fight. We may not always win, but I know you're a warrior just like me. A few caveats before I get to Duncan. I've never done my own podcast, and I generally am completely lost when it comes to the technical aspects of podcasting, and it terrifies me. How to record properly, how to edit audio, how do I post this so people can find it and enjoy it anywhere. I've reached out to my network of friends and creative types to help me, and I ask that you remain patient as we continue to refine the process. If the audio is bumping you a little or the levels aren't perfect, just know that I know that as well, and you will see gradual improvement over time as we get better at this. So, with all that out of the way, I want to introduce my first guest. He is a comedian, writer, musician, and an OG podcaster. He's wildly insightful, deeply intelligent, and just hilarious. If you don't know Duncan, you should be seeking out anything he's done. He's a regular on the Joe Rogan Experience and currently has his own show on Netflix called The Midnight Gospel, and you should watch it. I mean, what else are you doing? There's a pandemic on, if you haven't heard. Even if you're an essential worker, this would be great to take your mind off of things. It's, it's just a perfect show for that. And also, oh, by the way, if you are an essential worker, thank you so much for putting your life on the line, your health on the line, so our society can function. We deeply, deeply appreciate it, seriously. Whenever I have a chance to sit down with Duncan, we always have a great conversation, and I think you'll find this to be no different. So, here he is, the great Duncan Trussell. You don't want that during the apocalypse. You've got to break up the quietness a little bit. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. What a perfect, brilliant artist your landlord is. That's amazing. Well, it was interesting. I was, I came, I came here today, and I was like, I've been coming to the office. This is actually, I'm actually at the office. Oh, cool. It's like one of the places I can get away. Yeah. Uh, not your old uh, screaming at you. Um, and uh, I was like, it's nice because I get to go for a couple hours, get some work done, and it's quiet. And I showed up today, and as I'm driving up, I just see, like, these guys, like, kind of hanging on a tree, just, just sawing it down. And I'm like, oh, this is going to be loud and a isn't problem. That, isn't that interesting? I, at one point when I was um, in the early days of podcasting, I started thinking, like, oh, I, I think I could get funding to prove that there is a higher probability that someone will come 
and do some kind of loud work while you're podcasting than yeah. not. You know, just like select random periods in time and then add to that when you podcast and then do for two months a study. And I'm almost 100% sure there's a 60% chance that when you're recording, somebody will suddenly start doing landscaping or construction work that's insane. Like stuff you would never imagine anyone would ever do. Like just a, like a crane will show up. Like, with, yeah. yeah. This tree looks like it's been there for like 250. It's yeah, it's giant. And I'm just like, what? And you know, I mean, the gardeners are just like, we need the money. I get that, especially now, you know, they probably, you know, pretty penny to hack a tree down like that. But the, but the like, I was just like thinking of everything, like the landlord's like, you know, I got to get that tree down. Now's the time. Now's yeah. the time. Can't wait. Can't wait. There's no way I could wait another uh, month or two. Yeah, no. Got to get it done during the pandemic. Let's do it during the peak of the pandemic. Let's do it right during the peak of the pandemic. We'll cut the oak tree down. That's it's, the best time for sure. Which is an interesting microcosm. Like if you think about it, like that thought pattern and behavior, because it's not, you know, it's just interesting. And so I was, I, I wanted to just ask you, like, first of all, how are you doing during all of this? Mm -hmm. Like what, what are, what's your take and where, where, like, where are you at? Well, um, it, we, so my wife and I went through, uh, it's, it's the stages of grief, man. It's like, you know, this is a grief period for a lot of people. And so, uh, I, what I, so first step is like just defense mechanisms. Well, for me, it was denial for sure. So right when the pandemic is prior to the shelter in place, but when uh, everyone's kind of grokking that this is gonna be a problem, I was like still going to Equinox, working out, you know, just Equinox was empty, which is weird. And, you know, it was a really creepy time, but I was like, oh no, I'm, I'm sure I'll be fine. Then I realized how stupid that was. Anyway, we've gone through all the phases. I started doing, uh, a lot of home projects, you know, instead of being with my family. So like what I, what I started doing was like stuff that my wife wanted to get done that I wanted to get done that definitely made it seem like I was like coping. But really what I was doing was avoiding sitting with my wife who's freaking the fuck out and needed like love and like someone hugging her and comforting her. And it, so, but I was escaping into work or suddenly I just became like this weird carpenter person and it was such a strange way. And then, uh, you know, I just had this podcast with Jack Hornfield and Trudy Goodman. They're amazing. They're these uh, mindfulness teachers. And, uh, you know, they, she was like, it's a lot more difficult to be with what's happening, to be with a person who maybe is having a rough time while it's happening than it is to do construction, than it is to do work, than it is to you know do all the things that seem on paper like you're being a provider, and, it, and, and but you're not. In the sense that the first thing we should be providing each other is compassion, listening, embrace, forgiveness, that shit. That stuff is hard, really hard. It's easy to, 
hang a light. I didn't know it was easy to hang a light, but it's easier to worry about getting electrocuted while you dabble in shit that you should probably not be fucking with than it is to sit with somebody who, in a, you know, a crying kid and a freaked out young mom and, and listen to them without trying to say to them something along the lines of, well, why don't you try reading more? Yeah. Or meditating more or all that shit, fixing it. Cause that's also another form of hanging a light. It's it just sitting, basically what Trudy Goodman said to me is, have you tried just holding her hand? Have you tried just hugging her? And honest to God, I just hadn't. Cause the reality is by facing her freak out, I would have to face my freak out. Yeah. That's what I was just going to say is that it, it sounds almost like what you're saying is, is uh, almost representative of yourself too. Yeah. You know, you, you don't want to face your, you know, you, you have these, these people in your life that are external, but very important to you. But the internal also is like crying out for that hand holding and that acceptance and facing all of these things. It's really, really difficult to sit with yourself and, uh, and think about where you're at during this very, very unique time. Yeah. Um, and that it's just, so you're doing all of that and you're also trying to be supportive and be a father and be a partner. Um, but also realizing that you yourself are probably not fine either. And you need to self-examine as well and try to comfort and soothe yourself as well. So I totally agree with you. Like initially I was like, this is good. You know, this is good. It'll be fine. And, then my wife kind of went through some some pretty hard moments and then I sort of followed suit not realizing that I would it just sort of happened it's this almost like um you know like you're in the river type of thing you kind of go along with it you don't even realize like that you're freaking out for two days until you're like wait a minute I have this tightness in my chest and I'm super anxious and what's going on and you have to kind of take a step back and realize that you haven't addressed those things as an individual that you're looking at everyone else going, why don't they do this? Or why don't they do that? Why don't they do this? It's like, you also need to do that too, so that you can kind of remain a little bit of a, of an anchor for them too. to like, you know, everyone kind of needs to do that a little yeah. bit. That's it, man. Yeah. You gotta like that. You have to, you know, and I think within facing that freak out on your personally, uh, you, that is that, that, that's the ground if you're looking for some ground to stand on it's that's the truth and so and and also you that the moment you know i the other day i was saying to my wife yeah this this is really bothering me the most in the morning and she was like really surprised because i've been just basically being so phony that she thought i was okay like I've been putting up this thing of like, ah, I'm uh, make, making y'all breakfast, and, ah, I'm out in the garden, I'm, uh, but she's like, what? Why didn't you tell me that? I'm like, well, I, I, I don't know, why, why didn't I tell you that? And then suddenly we had this great conversation about how fucked up our dreams have been. And oh yeah. Yeah, the dreams, yeah. man, are so weird now. Yeah, and all that is that, all this stuff inside of me that I've been able to repress because of normal society, which is a wonderful yeah. band-aid you can put on your, whatever it is you're secretly dealing with, that is gone. And that means all this shit is coming into our conscious minds that is needed, that we needed to deal with. 
And it's exciting to me that like, I'm having these dreams that are all about loss and grief and stuff I haven't successfully dealt with. And the moment I started telling her that, you know, we're both crying and hugging each other. Suddenly it's like, oh my God, this feels like we're dead when we were first falling in love. And then, you know, the dam of what, uh, uh, denial and the wall that can grow between people just from being around each other too much, just broke. And, and that was beautiful, you know? And so in that sense, I'm it's, that's one of the gifts of this God forsaken pandemic. Yeah. I, I, we've, me and my wife have gone through these incredible, uh, really like intense arguments and, and fights really that, that emanate over these very silly small things and then become these much larger, almost philosophical fundamental, um, conversations about our relationship and the nature of being in a marriage and deep, deep stuff that I actually feel like we, we come out the other side better for, but they keep reemerging. Um, and I think part of that is because we both don't have those distractions. Like you just mentioned, I can't go to work normally every day and do my thing. She can't do what she does every day and go places and take care of our child in the same way. And I think we both, these like, these like uh, emotional fountains kind of like emerge yeah. these plumes of like, of things that just need to get out and need to be said. Um, and I think that people that aren't allowing themselves to experience that during this are gonna have a lot more difficult time when things reemerge in a normal way after this, because yeah. how is that gonna manifest when you have those distractions? Things are probably gonna get worse for you. You know, if you're someone who's having trouble with substance abuse or eating too much or depression, and you're masking it or not allowing these things to come out and address them, it's not going to be better when things kind of settle down, I don't think. No way. No, I, yeah, it's like, this is always, it's just the um, static of, you know, the default reality is so loud and such a perfect mechanism for drowning all that stuff out so that you could just sort of get through every single day imagining that, your anger is related to traffic. Your anger is related to the wrong song coming on the radio or, you know, too many commercials on that podcast. And, you know, that kind yeah, of- or, these, or the guy sawing the tree down. Yeah, know? yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's not, it's all this other stuff. And that's the, I think probably the, uh, what we're all going through in one way or another. And it really, this, conversation I had with the Drac and Trudy, it was the, for me, the turning point. And I needed to hear what they had to say, which isn't just like, oh, you got to face this stuff and, and, and be kind to the person with you, but that you have to be very compassionate with yourself right now and really understand that it's okay. You know, if you are abusing drugs, if you are drinking too much, if you are eating too much, or it's okay. When have you ever been in a pandemic before? Yeah. It's not the time to be beating yourself up because of whatever your particular coping mechanisms are, but to be realized like, yeah, this is really heavy for us. And it's heavy for everyone on the planet. It's heavy. I mean, it's people who 
have nurses in their families, doctors in their families, therapists in their families. Wow. You know, think of that. Like if some people can't come home because mm -hmm. they, they'll infect their family and, and they're having to be completely isolated. And so it's a, this is the um, time, I think, that Ramda, what Ramda says is, really makes sense, which is the best we can do right now for the people around us is to work on ourselves. And that's it. Because, you know, I, I realize with my wife, I'm like giving her a million of these pithy fucking solutions, you know, to, to her trauma. I'm sure well, she loves, I'm sure she loves that. Afterwards. Oh, loves it. Everyone, nobody, who wouldn't love a good Alan Watts quote when they're worried about their 45 year old husband dying of viral pneumonia, leaving them alone with a one year old. Yeah. But I mean, like, fuck. But you know, it's easier to give Alan Watts quotes than it is to sit and listen to someone talk about how sad they are, you know, and just listen with no solution. And that, that, ooh, no, I'm not good at that, man. Like, that's hard for me. Yeah, it's hard because you also have to take, you, you're taking on that, you know, as someone who, who probably, I would think you consider yourself pretty empathetic, an empath of sorts, you have to take on that feeling along with your own feelings that maybe you are somewhat addressing or subconscious or not necessarily being realized. So that's a lot, that's heavy. And I think as humans, our lizard brain is avoiding anything that's too heavy or is going to harm us in any way. That's and it. those addressing those uh, fears and addressing the fears of others that you care about could potentially harm you in some way because it forces you to kind of dive into that dark fear that is painful and that is really scary. And, yeah. you know, most humans are avoidant of that because, you know, it's not, it doesn't feel natural. You don't, you want the good stuff. You want the beach behind you. You don't want the, uh, you know, the cave. <laughs> Brother. No yeah. way. And also, you know what? Think of the what we've been taught through the movies, how to deal with a situation like this. Mad Max, right? The road warrior. You get a, some kind of sawed off shotgun. You start wearing leather and like eating bugs. Yeah. And like if you're, there is never, that I can remember in most post-apocalyptic movies, there's very little conversation of like, I just feel like my whole life, I've been avoiding who I really am. You know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? That's not, that's not gonna fill seats uh, because that's not interesting enough. To, no to, way. To, to, the, to an audience, yeah. Yeah, Mad Max never looks at someone he's just rescued and, and says to them, hey, how are you doing in your heart yeah. right now? Yeah. How's your heart? Are you- How are you feeling? It's just like, you know, oil and gas explosions. That solves the problem. Yeah. So I just don't think we have really, in the mainstream media, even come close to being taught how to deal with this kind, this level of collapse. And so we're all neophytes right now. And that, that's another reason to be really compassionate with yourself. Because it's like, give, what happened? What'd you do? I threw a mug. I threw a fucking mug and broke a mug. I was so mad. You know, and like it bounced and hit a window and then glass. And then it was just like, that was the beginning of it, you know? And that was shitty, but I was so angry and scared and freaked out. Uh, I feel much better now. You know, there's a, 
I, 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 not that I feel better in the sense like, oh, I could do this for a little lot longer. I just feel better in the sense that my direct, my family and I have harmonized in a non-phony way at this point. And that's pretty cool. But to get there required a lot of painful. Yeah. Pain. Yeah. And like, what do, so there's some people that I've spoken to, especially people like in the psychedelic community, which I, you know, I've dabbled in, um, that feel as though this is like at some, in some way, some sort of great awakening and, and, like a raising of a communal consciousness or a continuation of that raising and that this event will bring that to the next level. But I also think that there might be some people who feel like maybe this is just the first event in a lot of other very painful, difficult events that may bring us towards that in the near or distant future. And like, what's your feeling about this current situation? Do you feel like this is the thing that will propel humanity towards a more empathetic, healing, um, cohesive uh, future? Or do you think that this is just a warning sign that some people are taking notice of and others may just blast past it for the, and then the next thing comes along and that more people catch on as things get worse and worse? Yes. Uh, well, you know, I, I, I totally understand that spin on things. And I think that that is a pragmatic psychological tool some people could use right now to help them maintain a uh, benevolent, hopeful attitude during what is really a big floating question mark right now. And then anytime you get a question mark, you get a screen that you can project onto it pretty much anything you want. And, and it's also really a, um, uh, pretty much the worst feeling I think for a human is to not know, uh, to be in a new terrain and to not know what dangers they're in, what's coming. And, and because we, you know, if you were going with your family or your tribe, if you were traveling as hunter gatherers and you entered into a new area and suddenly began to experience something you'd never experienced before, maybe there's a volcano that you've never seen a volcano, or maybe there's some new creature that you've never seen that you don't understand that doesn't fit into your models of how to uh, survive, then that is going to cause a lot of stress. That's going to create a uh, real desire to invent some stability. And, and to try to comfort yourself with so that you could do the other stuff you're used to doing without constantly freaking the fuck out. So I think the global awakening idea near is the opposite of the, it's the end of the world idea. It's, they're both the same thing. And the reality is we don't know. And existing in that mystery is a challenge for all of us. So, uh, and also how do we speak for the world? How do we speak for anybody other than how are you doing and how are the people around you doing? And so this is one of Jack Hornfield's, one of the things he says that I love, which is tend to the part of the garden you can touch. If it's a global awakening, then it's a global awakening. But the question is, are you awakening? 
And if you're not awakening, then it might not be a global awakening. But if you, and what does awakening mean? And what are things you could do day to day that would be considered part of a global awakening? For me, that means um, what we just talked about, uh, becoming more authentically connected, compassionate, and present with my direct family, not pretending that I'm working when I'm escaping or evading, giving them what they need and, and sort of foregoing my own projects so that they get what they need right now. And then the other part of that is for me, realizing how de-skilled I've become. It's this anarchist term called being de-skilled. And I love that term. Uh, and, and, and looking at how many different services I was leaning into to sustain and support my life. I don't know how to garden. I don't know how to do electrical work. I don't know how to do plumbing. I don't know how to build things. I, you know, all of these things I'm working on now uh, so that um, in projects I would normally just get a handyman to come over and do, I'm doing them myself and I love it. And every time I, you know, also I'm realizing how absolutely insanely dangerous it is to not have tools in your house that you need, how not having a basic shit like a drill or the drill bits you need or socket wrenches or all just all the stuff that you might need to get something that is fundamental to your family, having water and food and heat and all the stuff that we need to like stay clean and have some nice standard of living. If you don't have this, the stuff around you to make sure you can fix things, then you suddenly are in this really difficult predicament, you know? And so that's the second part of it, which is the other part of the awakening for me is getting back to what early American life was like, which is, you know, gardening, building stuff that needs to be built and taking on the responsibility of things you used to, to give to other people. And so that we used to call it prepping, but now I guess you wouldn't call that anymore because the thing we, it's too late to prepare. It already happened. So now it's just reskilling myself. That's an awakening thing. And I don't think that has to be like a dire apocalyptic thing. It used to be people took really great pride in, their gardens and their ability to cook good, healthy meals and their ability to, uh, you know, wire things and just fix stuff that was broken that normally you would throw out, you know, and or try to understand how the fuck does my toilets plumbing work? What's in the basin? Why is it not flushing right now? Where, it, where does my shit go when I flush the toilet? Do I have a septic tank? Where is the septic tank? Where's the gas shut off from my house completely? Where are the fuse boxes? These basic things that are so easy to just not pay attention to. So to me, that's the second part personally. And then of course the third part, after you get your family emotionally and as much as you can um, the, uh, structurally safe, is looking out at your community. Do you know your neighbors? What are their names? How are they doing? 
do they have stuff that you might be able to use? And if they do, what's the best entrance into their house? Are they armed? If they're not armed, even better. Go and take their shit. Start taking over your neighborhood. That's the next step. <laughs> you want to start? I'm just kidding. <laughs> I just wanted to see if I was listening. <laughs> now, you know, what do your neighbors need? Yeah. And, and what, and you know, for example, we just ordered booze and the booze got dropped off at our neighbor's house. She's self quarantining, not cause she's sick just to be safe. So she just accepted the package. We were like, fuck our vodka didn't come. This sucks. And then the next day we get a text from her. She's like, Hey, I got your vodka, your booze. I didn't know. Uh, and then that we started texting. She introduced herself. She's like, if there's everything you need, my, my husband has lots of tools and anything. And we're like, you know, I, we've got a garden. You let us know what you need. And that's what we've been doing with our neighbors. And so making these connections with your direct the people living next to you. Right. And, 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 and you realize everyone wants to help. We mm -hmm. leave in front of our house. We leave uh, boxes of stuff that we're, we don't need that we, that we, you might normally sell. You know, and we just give it away and people take everything because people need stuff right now. So like all of these little things, if you if we all start doing them together, then you could safely say this is a global awakening. But unless you're doing your part and not really worrying about everyone else doing their part, then you cannot say it's a global awakening if it's not happening to you and the people directly around you. So that would be my answer to that. And then like on the heels of that, and because I think that that's like a, a really beautiful notion and, and me and my wife have done some of that, we could probably do more of it. But, um, but I, I'm glad that you said that because I'm noticing that between like me and some of my neighbors and also my friends, just I'm here, if you need anything, call me, let's do a Zoom call, let's do Zoom drinks, let's do, let's just stay connected to each other because it can be very, very easy to not. Yeah. And so I think that this idea of connection on a community level and then spreading outward to a city level, state, you know, na national, global is, is where it grows. And so there's this like, you know, these things start small, yeah. um, you know, these little, the little fires start small and they kind of form this much larger thing. So I think that uh, what you're saying makes a ton of sense. And I would agree. Um, the one thing I wanted to ask is, what do you think like what do you think becomes normal after this settles down that you could have never imagined would become normal prior to this rearing its head oh what a great what sort of behaviors what sort of becomes a normalized part of our society of social mores of of tradition and custom mm. that you maybe wouldn't have anticipated beforehand Okay, remember when in the old days you would see generally an Asian person in the airport wearing a surgical mask and you would think, what the fuck is that? That is so terrifying. I get it now. Yeah. yeah now you realize like that person was so smart and, and that person was just uh, either really polite because they had a cold and they knew it and they didn't want to go spreading their cold to other people or they were like had a you know weakened immune system but more than likely they just know that they're out in the world there's all kinds of pathogens that you can breathe in and they were saving themselves weeks of being sick 
we, you know, as Americans, it, it, there, there's a definitely, if you were wearing some kind of surgical mask, you would look like a maniac. It's a massacre. Yeah, it would freak people out. Now I think we're going to see that. And it's not going to seem, there's going to become a new fashion, a new aesthetic around wearing those masks. I think we're going to see, especially in the first year after this, that people who aren't wearing masks are going to look like fucking assholes. And there's going to be a general sense of like, that. that's going to seem selfish, probably. Uh, I would imagine there's going to be <clears throat> a new way of greeting people. And also, I think we're going to run into a uh, real problem when it comes to uh, privacy, which is, you know, there, there's going to be for sure a, a push by world government, state governments to start using Bluetooth tracking and the way that you use, you know, those keychain things you get. They do the same thing. But there's going to become there's going to be an attempt to somehow maintain anonymity while simultaneously being able to alert people that you've crossed paths with if you have COVID-19. So that and and then you're going to start getting these fucking Bluetooth alerts. It's like you were next to somebody in the grocery store that had COVID-19, and then you're going to have to quarantine yourself for 14 days. I think something like that, because I think you're going to look at like uh, we're going to see. Uh, hopefully a um, home testing kits, self-testing. Uh, there's got to be that. Some, some inexpensive way for all of us just to have at the house a way to test yourself to see if you have this shit. I think there's, those are some changes we're going to witness for sure. And uh, mainly with testing. And then also with like vaccines, the nightmare of the conspiracy theorist is probably going to come true. You're going to see mandatory vaccines with pretty stiff fines. If you don't get them, it's going to drive people up the fucking wall because it's going to seem like the book of revelations. And then within that, you could probably, so I would say that, that if I was guessing, it's going to be some version of that and just a new, and also you're going to see the next time uh, something like this appears, you're going to see global action. That's going to be so fast that it, it won't happen again. And also you're probably gonna see, it was the last thing that's just off the top of my head, like if a country like China or wherever in the United States obscures the data that there is a pandemic happening in their borders, I think you could, that's gonna start looking like an act of war. Mm -hmm. And there's going to be, it's gonna be considered like some like someone who there's going to be sanctions that make it so that if you get some kind of pandemic, you gotta be honest about it. Exactly, countries are gonna turn into like assholes who fuck people and don't tell them they have diseases yeah, or something, some terrible disease. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, you're already seeing a little bit, of, at least in some of the stuff I've been reading about companies wanting to pull their manufacturing from from China, and yeah. partly because. There's a lot of uncertainty still there. You know, they're they've reopening and they're closing and they're reopening and they're closing, which make which makes me believe that the disease was much much larger than they uh, reported, and it, it affected way more citizens than they're claiming. Um, and businesses have already said, if it, you know, with that uncertainty, we'll just take our business elsewhere. The question is, where do you go? What other what other 
countries are going to give you that level and amount of labor at that price yeah. to change the global paradigm of goods and services. Because China was essentially the center of making cheap shit for everywhere in the world. Yeah. Most places. There's some other places that do it. Um, but for the most part now, what does that look like for a big company that wants to mitigate risk, but still wants to manufacture a lot of goods? Do they feel secure that China is going to be able to uh, create a, a safe environment to manufacture their goods? I don't think these companies genuinely care about the employees that are making these things. Right. But they care about their interests. Right. And if their interests are going to be harmed by uh, lack of um, protocol or dishonesty or the fact that they, their supply chains will get disrupted, what does that look like? Where, where does that manufacturing go? Well, this to me, again, it, it all points, like I take big ideas like that and then I try to bring them down to my interpersonal life. Yeah. And so for me, it's like if my well-being and my family's well-being depends on China. China. Yeah. But not just China. It depends on being able to press the Amazon button to get the shit that I need. Then that is a incredible vulnerability. And that vulnerability has been the f encouraged that level of consumerism, sloppiness. You know, like uh, Amazon, if, I don't they probably still have them. They have those buttons. Yeah, the button, yeah. You just you press it and it comes to your house. Yeah, you're running out of time. Yeah. yeah, anything. So it's like, to me, I feel encouraged to, right now, it's cooking. I'm learning how to cook. I'm learning how to garden. I'm learning how to cook. But also, there's all kinds of other stuff that you can make on your own. You can make your own laundry detergent that is just as good mm -hmm. as laundry detergent. You, you're still going to have to outsource some of the components of that. But, and it, and it all ends up sounding, you know, cheesy or whatever, but locally what is what 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 around you do you have that you can use worst case to make the things you've been ordering from these massive corporations can you start teaching yourself how to do this can you learn how to do this or do you have someone near you that you can trade for this or that because the global awakening as it's called i think is is going to depend on all of us sort of becoming incredibly, um, what's the word for it? Um, Self-reliant and simultaneous. Resourceful, yeah. industrious, you know. Yeah, yeah. all this stuff that used it, that over time, thanks to really, really uh, brilliant marketing campaigns, started to become viewed as like uh, low grade or, you know, we're looking at a re- uh, the hierarchy of things is changing now. Like these low status jobs, they're the ones keeping us fucking alive right now. It's the delivery drivers. It's the plumbers. It's the electric clerks. Yeah, yeah. All those people are keeping, and, and this is one of the like great unveilings that, that no body who wants people to be sloppy and buying bullshit and throwing it away the moment it's not working anymore wants anybody to witness they don't want you to know that the entire system doesn't depend on a guy who's making 
a billion dollars a year sitting in a fucking high rise. Mm -hmm. They don't want you to know that it doesn't depend on that guy at all, but rather it depends on workers in warehouses risking their fucking asses so that we can get the various things that right now are being delivered to our door by people who are putting their ass on the line for us so that they can feed their family. Yeah. So that to me, I think is going to be, is another thing that we're going to, that's part of this global awakening, so to speak, is my God, man, when I go to the grocery store, I have such respect for the person who's standing there taking my money and bagging my fucking food. I used to not see them. You'd be in a hurry. You'd be like, come on. Now you're like, thank you so much for being here. Because now my baby can have milk. Mm -hmm. And so this is localization of the supply chain. So like what's around you? What can you offer to that supply chain that's around you so that we no longer as clustered communities have to fucking worry about whether or not somebody eats a bat in China? You know, we don't have to, that to me is the invitation from the world. And that's way better for the environment. We're yeah. doing these long fucking commutes to go to work, to do shit that we can easily be doing right like this. Yeah. You know what I mean? We don't need to drive to be, not to say people's meat bodies don't need to be together. And that's a huge part of being human. Mm -hmm. But the other great unveiling here is there's all these people who are working every day from home right now, every day from home doing the exact job they were doing that they had to drive somewhere to. Yeah. I mean, when I first, you know, when I first started thinking about doing this podcast, and this, this is the first episode, um, I never thought in a million years that it would be this. I thought that I'd have to rent a space that would yeah. require me to find a, you know, and pay someone and to, to, to find that space and then make sure that you were available and have you come to this place or try to do it at your house or something. And now it's like, oh wait, it's just, it's, it's relatively easy to just kind of figure out ways to do the things you want to do. Um, so I think that that goes with that sort of self-reliance being industrious, using tools. This is a tool. This, yeah. is a this is a technological tool. Granted, there's not been some great press about this tool lately, yeah. but it does work. And so yeah. I think that what you're saying about starting small and then kind of building things out makes a lot of sense. Um, as a creative person, which you are, have you found that it is easier to be creative during this time or more difficult to be creative? And what do you think about the stuff that you have been creating? What is the quality of that as compared to before this? Oh yeah. I think, yeah, I think it's right now is the, uh, it's a artistic renaissance for, for me, you know, I, I don't know. I think, I think you, but because we're, we're now we're experiencing truth. And you know, truth is like the truth is, I think, to art what like flour is to baking, you know. And suddenly we're just getting big gobs of truth, and with that you can. There's all kinds of uh, uh, inspiration that comes from that. Number one for me. So I, I think it's, and also the other thing is the. the Every, everyone right now has had to become the type of artist that I love and have loved since I was in college, which is we're all lo-fi right now. Like we're all having to use what's around us to make stuff that used to be supplied by big studios and stuff. Tom Hanks just did a monologue for SNL. From or something. And it worked! Yeah. 
and this was, you know, this was like whenever you listen to Daniel Johnston, whenever you listen to Lou Barlow, whenever you listen to somebody who just used their own home recording studio, but the truth is coming through them into the technology, it's beautiful. They didn't need to spend millions of dollars to make a thing sound a certain way. So holy fuck, this is the other great teaching. It's like we can take what's just around us and use that. The limitation itself becomes part of the inspiration. And that, I think, is a big lesson for people who've been procrastinating making this or that because they have an imagined limitation that isn't there at all. None of us are limited. If, if you've got a cell phone, you can make a movie. Yeah. That's not hyperbolic. If you've got a cell phone, you can make a podcast. If you've got a cell phone that you can, you can make so much stuff that you can share with all of us and added to that right now is the lowering of expectation for content to have uh, the quality it used to have, right? No one's going to listen to this and be like, what the fuck, man? You got to work on your audio because this shit, it's like we were I'm fucking sure, up. I'm sure there will be some people. I, I, you know what, man? I've been putting podcasts out that have been Zoom calls with shit audio and the warble and the whatever. Happy, happy to have something to listen to and hear. That's right. Yeah, man, that's right. And that's what it should be like. You know, the other day we ordered sushi and for whether that's a good idea or not, I don't know. But we ordered sushi from Sugarfish in a box. We had not eaten sushi in like months, you know, and suddenly we're sitting outside. Thank God we have a yard eating sushi outside. It is the best fucking sushi I've ever tasted in my life. Like we want to start crying. It's so good. We're looking at it and it's like, oh my God, this is, ah, I feel human. That's gratitude, man. And that's how we should have felt anyway. Mm -hmm. And so it's sort of those moments of like, it reminds me when I would go to Burning Man, uh, you know, somebody might come around and give you a piece of bacon that they had made. And you would, it was the best bacon you ever tasted in your whole life. Just because that's not around, you've been hungry. You know, there's not the same kind of food. So to me, it's, uh, you know, that, is the same thing people are experiencing with any kind of content you're generating that has an intention behind it of uh, getting your truth out in the world. And people like that. And, and so, yeah, it's been, it's a great time for art. It's a great time for everyone to be encouraged to share their art with people. And cause it's a form of connection and thank God right now we have the internet that is letting us share our art with the whole planet. Uh, and it's great. I think it's great. So it's a wonderful time for art. What, uh, what, uh, what tools do you have that do you recommend people who are, and you've, you've touched on some of the things that you've, that you've been doing, like connecting with family, but what other things that are available to people now that may be struggling or maybe having a lot of trouble, even finding a way out of depress, you know, a depressive state, or feeling really, really fatigued or feeling really sad or feeling really stressed because they can't pay their rent or they can't pay their bills or they can barely afford groceries. What, what would you, what would you, what sort of advice would you give those people of like self care rituals or tools that could help them gain some perspective and, and really maybe even find within that some amount of gratitude that you, 
discuss because not everyone is, is fortunate to be in the situation that you or I are in where we have a home and we have, we have money and we were able to support ourselves during this time for probably a while. A lot of people are in a really, really bad way. And as someone who has like done a lot of self-reflection and, and really worked on yourself and continue to work on yourself, what advice would you give to those people potentially, or what tools would you um, offer to them that could be helpful? Okay. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. Uh, you, you, right. You and I right now, we might have some money in the bank and we might have jobs right now, but this is not guaranteed. Yeah. And so for one, again, I am really lucky right now. I have a job. I can do it from home. Thank God. And, uh, but a few weeks, you know, a few weeks ago when this started happening and I lost all of the income that was coming in from the tours I had scheduled for the entire summer, which I'd been stupidly, you know, budgeting that money, expecting that to be part of the way I was going to pay, you know, various people that I owe money to and credit card companies and stuff like that. I ran head on into the wall of reality of like, wait, wait a minute, this isn't, this is not quite, and I, yeah, I have a show coming out on Netflix, but you know, we got paid for that a long time ago. This is so, so, but we're doing great relative to some, some other people. I'm not saying thank Christ we are, but number one, if you're, and I don't mean to be a fear monger here, but for those of us who are, have some cash in the bank, do understand that that money only has value as long as the money has value. Mm -hmm. And if people can't pay their rent, then that means people can't pay their mortgage. If people can't pay their mortgage, that means the banks don't have any money. And if the banks don't have any money, that means the motherfucking banks default. And if the banks default, then that means money means nothing anymore. So who gives a fuck how much money you had in your bank account? You can put it in a wheelbarrow and go buy a fucking onion with it or whatever. Mm -hmm. So. Number one, I think it's super important to realize that regardless of where you're sitting financially, right now we are, there is no guarantee that that money is gonna have any real value for uh, next year. I think things are gonna bounce back. I think things are gonna be fine, but I am not resting on my laurels, man. I'm getting seeds, I am I'm growing food, I'm getting my skill sets up that I, because I'll tell you this, if like I need to like get some food for my family, I have a feeling going to someone's house and be like, can I do 10 minutes of stand up for a fucking hamburger is not necessarily gonna work. Well, don't sell yourself short, Duncan. <laughs> I don't know, man. All I'm saying is uh, from the top to the bottom, from the top to the bottom, uh, right now, if you want to start having an actionable thing to do right now, which I think is really important when you're dealing with the depression, the malaise that comes from that hanging question mark. The thing to do right now is find a way to, be, to start learning skill sets that you can use that aren't dependent on money having value. This is uh, cultivating relationships with your neighbors, just like what I was saying earlier. This is uh, learning, um, looking around at what you have, which is what I love about the lo-fi aesthetic in general, looking around you at what you have and seeing, can you improve it? Can you use it? Can you get better at whatever is around you and begin to start developing skill sets that are going to be useful if 
the economy completely collapses and we have to join together as community clusters or little, you know, anarchic um, communes, which is completely not out of the picture right now. And to watch the news and have some fantasy that what they're saying is, is for sure is okay. And I think it is. I do think it is. But that being said, as they say, uh, hope for the best, prepare for the rest. And that means, <clears throat> yeah, right now you, you might not have, uh, you, you might not, you might find yourself collecting unemployment checks right now. You might find yourself getting that money from the government from the from the government uh maybe the idea would be not necessarily to spend that money on some bullshit you know or to like imagine spend that money on seeds pot potting soil food you can grow tools you might need and and all this stuff so that you no longer have to depend on the supply chain as much as as before now that sounds fear-mongery and whatever Here's the thing, should at the end of in two weeks, suddenly because of the summer, COVID-19 diminish the, the curve, whatever they fuck it levels out, it, then a vaccine is discovered, a treatment method is discovered. And at the end of that, you have, you know, 10 potted plants in the windows of your house or in whatever little yard you have or on your rooftop that are just starting to grow tomatoes or whatever the, the, whatever you managed to find out there. Well, what do you know? You've got some great fucking tomatoes to give your friends for barbecues yeah. when we're all hanging out together. I would so, also say that it doesn't change anything. Even if all those things happen, it still doesn't change anything you said. Just let's say they do find a vaccine in six or eight months, which is highly unlikely. Yeah. You know, it, it doesn't, change anything you should be doing that stuff anyway we all should be doing that stuff because the more reliant you are the more helpful the more reliant on yourself you are the more helpful you are to others too you yeah. can teach others how to do that stuff who don't know other people see you doing that and they go oh, i should probably think about doing that too yeah when you serve as the example but i also think something else that you said that was interesting is like if this doesn't if this event and if, and if what's going on um doesn't lay bare the complete sand that our entire global economic system is built on, mm -hmm. including supply chain, fiat currency, global governments, global organizations. If you don't look at that and go, this all can fall away in 30 seconds. If you look at it and go, oh, they're going to figure it out. It's going to be fine. Like, yeah, maybe I think I, I agree with you. I think we do emerge from this. Okay. I think there will be treatments. I think that, we will be able to, you know, come out of the other side for this with some good, like knowledge and findings and apply that. But if you're not doing all the stuff you just said, if you're going, it's fine. It was just a blip. It's like, no, this is going to happen again. If we continue down the same road, it may happen again, even if we completely change course, we're going to be taught these lessons. And so if you're one of these people that doesn't take an extreme amount of like like step back and and away from it and go oh my god this is all really really fragile yeah. i mean the fact that all of these companies are asking for bailouts a month after their businesses closed down i'm like scratching my head i'm like wait so they don't have any cash reserves they don't they haven't thought that maybe their business could get disrupted for a month or so it's yeah. crazy and then they just come to the u.s government or whatever global government structure and go we need money yeah
it's just crazy that that so I think that maybe you'll see some more responsibility from from everyone, not just you know global companies. I hate to even talk about that, but just from individuals, like you're saying, self responsibility because we've kind of lost sight of that based on everything that you just said of like not even be able to grow flowers really or understand how to even do that. Exactly. That's it. Basic first aid. All the shit that we should have known how to do anyway, that used to be part of being a pioneer. We don't know how to do it. That's nothing to be ashamed of. No, it just of was part of being in the world. But it's like, you know, while we've got the internet, use it. Like, and, and I've been, yesterday I'm like looking up, uh, you know, different types of nuts and bolts. I don't know all the different types. I'm looking at the different types just to look at like, holy fuck, there's so many, there's so many different things. They all require different tools. They're yeah. all for different things, you yeah. know? And it's like stuff like uh, plumbing, like tubing. And like, how would I, what if I just had a tube, but I wanted to replace some something in my house that had water running through it? Would I be able to put the metal thing at the end and then make it seal so the water wouldn't run? How could I do that? What would I need? Fuck, it says you need like some kind of little blowtorch. I don't have that. Maybe I should order one of those little propane blowtorches and a soldering kit. Yeah. And, you know, and again, all this stuff sounds like I'm on preppers and it sounds fear mongering, but I'll tell you, if you want an antidote to that question mark, then learn how to function on your own without being as much as possible without being connected to the supply chain. It's like we've been out in the ocean and we've been hanging out out in the ocean on a boat and the boat is starting to sink and a lot of us don't know how to swim. And now will be a good time to start learning how to swim. And by swimming, I mean, like, come up with a code, a set of just basic, you know, things that might work with pretty much any kind of chaos that emerges in front of you. And certainly one of those things is get good at the basics. Get good at becoming a, a, a member of your community that really has something to offer. Not because you're, you're afraid you're going to die, but because you want to help. The intention doesn't have to be one of fear. It's like when I'm in my garden and I'm looking at the first sprigs of um, beans growing up that I planted and I'm realizing, holy shit, it, wor it worked. <laughs> yeah. it, I, I just stuck these seeds in there and they're starting to grow. That's joy. I'm not thinking like, fuck the economic supply chain. I'm thinking I'm connected to nature right now mm -hmm. and nature is holding me. Nature's holding us. The earth is holding us. Yeah. Not the global con connection of, not the affiliation of millionaires and billionaires and corporations and oil executives, but the ground that I walk on is making food come out of it. Mm -hmm. And that food is shareable. That food is storable. That food is gonna feed my kids if my neighbors need some of it. You know what I mean? If this, once we do this all together, then all of a sudden, holy fuck, man, mm -hmm. bad news for all the people who've been profiteering by tricking us into thinking there is some nobility in being completely and absolutely dependent 
on corporations to have the shit we need to enjoy a good life. See, yeah. that's a disaster. That's a disaster for the system that we've all become accustomed to. And uh, that's why I think more than likely things are gonna get better because the market pressure on these people who've hypnotized us into thinking it makes sense to throw away a pair of jeans because they have a rip in them or something like that, instead of learning how to sew them up, uh, the market pressure for them to find a cure for this motherfucker is so intense because the longer we start realizing there's a lot of joy in doing shit ourselves. There's a lot of joy in fixing things that we normally would get other people to fix for us. There's a lot of just basic joy in those kinds of activities that we've been actually giving away to other people and then paying them on top of it. Uh, if too many of us realize that, I don't know, man. I don't know how you get us to go back the way it was. Also, the air is clearer mm -hmm. than it's ever been in LA. You know, we didn't need to drive as much as we were driving. Uh, and and that's, that's wonderful. All these things are wonderful, you know, but so, but so prepare right now, you know, just prepare. And, and I don't know how to make booze. Do you, you know how to make homebrew beer? I have a basic idea. I don't think it would be very good, but I have a basic idea. Of how then start making it, man. Yeah. Start, I mean, I'll, do all it. All you need for, to make basic booze is you take apple juice and just throw it in a closet for a month. It turns, it turns itself into Applejack. Wow. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. All those things, we can all start doing these things ourselves. I don't mean just booze. I'm I mean, gonna, yeah, I'm going to start first, maybe food, and then I'll make my way to booze as opposed to yeah. just start making Applejack as a, as my enterprise initially. And that'll be all I have, but I think I'll go food first. I, yeah, I think food is good. Like arrow, eat, but here's the deal. If yeah. you learn how to make great Applejack, People are going right? to thank you for the apples. You're going to be able to trade that for some, some, some apples. Food. Yeah, <laughs> food. Eat, you know? yeah. So, you know, again, so that to me is the most pragmatic answer I have for that. If you want philosophical answers, there's a lot, like you can go to the Love Server Member Foundation's website, Jack Cornfield's website, Judy Goodman's website, all these great teachers who are really offering mindfulness practices that you could utilize to sort of, get some spaciousness around your thoughts as they're going insane right now and try to find a, a, a way that you can sort of hold the, the panic and the dread and the fear and the, and the anxiety and the desire to, the aversion to the idea to get away from the uncertainty uh, so that you can somehow maintain a little bit of like true stability while a, a hurricane is happening mm -hmm. in your consciousness it's all out there you know and and i think that's a great so there's right now there's a lot of streams of data to go to but uh what to me simultaneously you know what are you good at like for i gotta learn how to cut my fucking beard man yeah that's I, what I, I have to cut my like this is the longest my hair gets my wife is like i love your hair i'm like i want to shave it all off this is uncomfortable for me so maybe i need to good. just grow it out and then and then learn how to cut it myself your hair looks good. Oh, thanks. Actually. That's yours. I God, appreciate thanks. But you know, just shit like that. We got to learn how to, how to cut our own hair and stuff like that right now. And it's all good. I mean, what's better than that? It's all good. Like no. learning all that stuff, you'll find, God, I used to make fun of preppers, but let me tell you, man, the, 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 every time I fix some, some problem around the house that I normally would think I'm not touching that. 
I become a better person. I become a little bit more uh, independent and a little bit more powerful in a real way, you know? And, and I think that, that these right now, there's all this time to do that shit instead yeah. of sitting back and hoping that the great spoon of society will come and start putting applesauce back into your mouth mm -hmm. that the, you know the bait the mama bird's gonna come and puke whatever the fuck you we all were like slurping back and taking for granted mama bird might not come back <laughs> and we're gonna be fine yeah so you're you have your show coming out at the end of the month right yeah or, uh, a couple days like a week yeah april 20th so April. Tell, tell me about your show because I didn't even I um, didn't even know that you had it unfortunately and I oh. saw it and I got really excited because I love animation and it looks very distinctly yours. Oh, um, so like how did how did you come about creating it and um, yeah just tell me about more about it. I would love to. Uh, it you know Pendleton Ward and I became uh, friends. Yeah, fantastic. Jeez, he's a genius. Yeah, and he. Uh, he and I came up with a way to uh, convert podcast audio into animation in a way that, as far as I'm aware, hasn't been done. Um, and the best way to put it is what happens if you replace the dialogue of Indiana Jones with podcast dialogue? In this case, we my character Clancy lives in a place called the Chromatic Ribbon, and he has where people have these multiverse simulators, these super powerful universe simulators that, you know, within a period of a, a few months, generate thousands, if not millions of parallel universes that evolve uh, to technological civilizations. And then they go into those simulators and they harvest the technology, which they can then sell. So uh, it would be like, imagine if you could generate the uh, current universe that we're in, uh, I don't know, 13.7 billion years runs in a period of five months. And then uh, imagine you could just go in there and now you've got the works of Shakespeare, alternating current. You've got every single technological innovation that's worth anything, not to mention all the other alien civilizations we're not aware of, whatever they came up with pull that shit out and you could sell that. And so that's what the chromatic ribbon is. It's like the South of France for people who have universe simulators. My character is a slacker who has managed to get a little chunk of land out there in a malfunctioning multiverse simulator that he doesn't quite know how to take care of. So all the universes inside of it are going through apocalypses and he, he rather that can't really get technology out of them. So oh, how appropriate for now too. Unfortunately, it's a little on the nose. <laughs> That's the problem. It's a little yeah. on the nose. Uh, and that was not intentional. When we started making this years ago, we did not know it would release during a global pandemic. Uh, but yeah, that's kind of the, to me, one of the beautiful eerie qualities of it. And, um, but you know, it's not, it is, it's, the reason we call it, I, I, I like to call it midnight gospel. I think everyone can interpret it the way they want is gospel means good news. And to me, anytime I've found myself in a catastrophic situation, similar to the one that we're in right now, uh, or losing my parents or getting cancer or any of my own personal tragedies or catastrophes, I've noticed that within that situation, a kind of transcendent ray of light 
seems to suddenly illuminate the situation where I realize that the my existence, my soul, my well-being is not so much de as dependent on phenomena around me uh, meeting my expectations. And that, that is to me really good news because it means that there's uh, hope a pl or a platform that we can all find some stability and peace and equilibrium that is not dependent on things in the material universe matching our expectations. And uh, that's I, ho very slowly. Uh, I think that's something maybe Clancy starts learning a little bit from the conversations he has with people in these worlds that are dying because yeah. he has not been taking care of his simulator. And um, that's the show, man. And I have to apologize, but I have another podcast scheduled. Yeah. No, in go. That's why. Thank Let's, you so much. Thank I you for having me. Yeah. And, and can I be one of your drinking Zoom friends? Can we? Dude, have a absolutely. I will oh. do it soon. Can we really please yeah, do Yeah, I'm gonna text, I'll text you after. We can okay. do it later this I week. I love talking to you, man. And I, I love talking love to you too. Cool. Uh, thank you All so right, much man. for letting me be on your podcast. I really appreciate right, it. I appreciate it. Thanks, man. Talk to you thank soon. Howdy, Christian. See you. I hope you enjoyed my chat with Duncan. As I mentioned in the introduction, the audio wasn't great, uh, but we're gonna make sure to get that squared away for next time. That's a promise. Duncan also said, we're all neophytes now more than ever. And I think that really rings true. I think many of you can relate to that. I know I do, especially now. I really like the quote that he mentioned by Jack Hornfield, tend to the part of the garden you can touch. That makes a lot of sense to me. And I think it's a helpful strategy for most people. And I'm going to try to keep that in the front of my mind uh, moving forward. So I just want to take a moment to talk about why I decided to call the podcast This Just Is without getting too in the weeds. Um, the title is a meditation on the existential terror that I felt at times in my life. When I've asked myself really, really difficult questions about why we're here, what is the meaning of all of this, what's the purpose to our existence, the deep, challenging stuff, I've always felt equal parts wonder and amazement coupled with a healthy dose of fear and uncertainty of the unknown. It's just a lot. And I know I'm not the only person out there that stares into the void from time to time getting overwhelmed. This thing, this existence, whatever it is, just is. It just exists and no one, I repeat, no one can tell you with 100% certainty what's going on. No religious leader, as much as they'd have you believe, no philosopher, no scientist, or even guru can tell you what it's all about. Some of them may have some good ideas, which give you comfort, and that's good, sure. But there is no absolute. And I think it's important to realize that and accept that. We just don't know. And, and getting comfortable with that uncomfortable fact is really, really difficult. But I do know that I feel best when I'm treating myself well. And when I'm extending that kindness to others, my family, my friends, and even strangers, helping those around me feel better and trying to move towards a happier and more well-rounded existence. I feel good when I'm doing things that lead me towards joy, empathy, and healing. This I know with certainty. So I'm trying to head there as best I can, and I invite you to do the same. So I want to encourage you to realize that it's okay to be scared and confused. Nobody has any idea what the hell is going on, and that's okay. We have our breath. 
and we have each other. The rest is bullshit. This just is. Music